I'll go ahead and stand this morning and get ready for worship. Good morning. Uh, welcome to First General Baptist Church. Let's join in and sing this morning as we sing What Mercy Did for Me. Love of God. 
deserve it Still you give yourself away Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending Reckless love of God Was your foe still your love fought for me? You have been so, so good to me. And I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. You have been so, so kind to me.
Dear Lord, we're so glad that you made a way. We're so glad, Lord, that you loved us as much as you do. Lord, we are not worthy, and we are not, uh, we, we can't do anything apart from you, Lord. And we just pray, God, that as, as you help us, Lord, we would just worship you, we would serve you, and God, that we would love you. God, we know that we can't love you as much as you love us, but Lord, just help us to love you more. Lord, I pray for this service today. I pray, God, that as you uh, speak to Brother Darrell, God, you would help us to uh, learn about you and, and learn to be more like you. Lord, help us as we um, just worship you today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, we welcome you again to the Lord's house. If you have your Bible, let's go to Hebrews chapter 2. And I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. We should be in chapter 2, verse 1, but today is Palm Sunday, getting ready for, uh, give me a second, uh, uh, Teresa, help uh, Bobby find Ch Children's Church. If you're, if you're watching online, you, have, you don't have any idea what I'm doing, uh, we have Children's Church for the first time in about a year. And so we're trying to point folks the right way. So if you're watching online, that's what all of that, all of that was. Eventually, I think we'll come up with a system where if I do something dumb, we can cut that out. But we haven't come up with, with that yet. And so there'd be a lot, of, a lot of gaps along the way, I would think. So anyway, that's part of, that's part of live, all right? Some, some, things, some things happen like that. Okay, where were we? Hebrews chapter 2. Hey, that's a good problem to have, pointing... Pointing, pointing children the, the right way is a good problem to have. Yeah, Hebrews chapter 2. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit to, uh, was it verses 5 through 9, because uh, this is Palm Sunday, getting ready for Easter. Uh, this week is, is a memorial, is remembering what Jesus did for us on the cross. Easter is about the resurrection, of course it is. Uh, Palm Sunday is about leading up to the cross. And we are going through the book of Hebrews, and we are at chapter 2. I'm going to skip over to chapter, uh, verse 5, and then next, in the few weeks to come, uh, the Lord wills, we'll come back to verse 1 and such in chapter 2. So read along with me, uh, verses 5 through 9. And uh, again, well, let me get down to that point. Uh, for he, Jesus has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels. But one testified in a certain place saying, now what he'll do again, what the writer will do again, is what the writer's already done quite a few times, is he'll have Old Testament quotes here. And I told you last week, my, my translation of the scripture puts the Old Testament quote in italics, and so it's, it's easy for me to know. I don't know that yours would, yours would do that. But uh, so here in verse 6, 6, 7, and 8, the first part of 8, what he's doing is, is he's talking about and quoting an Old Testament verse, verses. So here's what the Old Testament says. What is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you take care of him? This, I want you to listen, uh, read, listen closely to verse 7. You made him, that's man, us, mankind, you made us, you made man a little lower than the angels. So the angels are, we talked about angels a little bit last week, but I really didn't, you know, I didn't want to focus, I didn't want the message to be on angels because the focus of the message was Jesus is better than angels are. So he made us, mankind, a little lower than the angels. Obviously angels are spirits. They can do things that we can't do. We're a little lower than them, but that's important, and I'll come back to that. You have crowned him man with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. Isn't that what God told Adam and Eve? You know, you are to uh, take care of the garden. I like the word control. I'm going to come back to that word. You are in control. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. So all things were made, intended to be under the subject, subjection of man's feet. Man was to control it. Now, uh, the rest of verse 8 is hard to read. It's hard to work through. This is 
more of a, when we get to it, when I read this, this is more of a proof to me that I believe Hebrews was a message that was preached and then recorded, meaning it was written down. Because it's written, and I don't know if you've ever thought of it like this, it's written like a man talks, not like a man would sit down and write. It's written like a man talks. And if you write what a man says and talks, if you write out a speech, it's not, it just doesn't read as easy. C.S. Lewis was a, po a very popular author, but was also a popular speaker. And th when I've read, read what he said in his speeches, he added, you know, a lot. He would say, you know, a lot. Like I, I notice in myself, I say, okay. I'm making a point, I say, oh, okay. But when, when C.S. Lewis wrote, he didn't put the you knows in there. Of course he didn't, because you just don't write like this. You don't, you don't write like you speak. So the last of verse, uh, verse 8, is a little difficult to read, but here we go. For in that he, and now in my Bible will capitalize when it's talking about Jesus, he, him, it will capitalize the H. So in that he, Jesus, put all in subjection under him, small h, who's that? Man, mankind. So Jesus put all in subjection under him, under man. He, Jesus, left nothing that is not put under him, man. Uh, but now we do not yet see all things put under him. That's confusing. The idea, the original idea, I already touched on it a, a, a little bit, is that man should be in control, that everything should be in subjection. All of, all of nature, the animals, should be in, under subjection to him. But now the, now the writer says that's the way it should be, and that's the way Jesus intended it. But he ends that verse and says, but we do not yet see all things put under him. But we're not seeing it. When you say that, that man should be un, un, in control, here's the problem. The man should be in control. What's the problem with that? Why isn't he? Because man now, because of the fall, has trouble controlling himself, much less anything else. And if you were uh, in that church, in that Hebrew Christian church on that day when, that, when this pastor preached that, uh, they were under in, intense persecution from Rome at that time. This was during the days when, and I don't know that anybody in that church experienced it, but this was in the days when Christians were fed, were fed to the lions. I mean, that was, that was happening. That, that was what mankind was doing to itself to themselves. Mankind can't, can't, even, can't control nature because mankind can't even control itself, themselves, himself. The, I, it's probably in history it's been worse, I know, but this past year in the, in the United States it would be, it would, we would be hard-pressed to find a better example of this than the social unrest that we've had in the past year. If you watch the news and see, see, the, see the, 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 the rioting and the, and the whatever and, this, and, and all, the, all the human drama that we, that we see, and man can't even control himself, much less anything else. And that's really a big part of our, of our problem. The reason we don't have more control, we can't even do it ourselves. But we go to, the, to verse 9. But, okay, mankind's in that shape, uh, supposed to be under control, but he's not. But, but we see Jesus. And I want you to know, and I know this is a preacher thing to say, it's a real churchy thing to say, but that's always going to be the answer. But we see Jesus. I was praying about this before church started, and I do this. I don't know if this will help you, but along the, the way, when I'm stressed out and I just feel like uh, I need spiritual help, I need Jesus to be a little closer to me maybe than usual, when I just feel like I need spiritual closeness, I'll sing a, a, a part of a song over and over. 
or I'll take part of a verse and I'll quote that verse over and over. Sometimes I'll just take the name Jesus and just say that name over and over. And I think when I read this, I think when you think of all the confusion that talks about in 7 and 8, man can't even control himself. And in the midst of confusion, but then he starts verse 9, but we see Jesus. And just, just, just a note here that there's a thought right there. That when you're under stress and you're, you just need to feel that little bit of extra closeness, you might just repeat that phrase over and over. But we see Jesus. But we see Jesus. You might change it a little bit. But I see Jesus. But I see Jesus. He was also made a little who was made a little lower than the angels. What's that mean? He was made like us, right? That's what Christmas is, God becoming man. He was made, made a little lower than the, than the angels, it was the, what the Old Testament says that we are. So he was made like us for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. And that's what we'll end up talking about now. Jesus tasting death for everyone. There's an outline of this on the back side of your announcements, and a lot of this will be on the, on the screen. Not all of it, but a lot of it. The cure and the curse of sin is death. This is the reason why. Why did Jesus become man in order to die? What's, is that really that important? Is it really that important that Jesus died for our sins? Why did he even have to do that? Why did he do that? The curse, the curse and the cure of sin is death. In Genesis chapter 2, 16 through 17, this, this is on the screen. And the Lord God commanded the man, Adam, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. So the curse of sin is death. Now, that's God's choice. Okay? That's, that's, God. that's the way God, that's the, what we sometimes call the economy of God. That's how he designed it. The curse of sin is death. We go on to Romans 6, 23. will sound a little more f familiar to you. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So sin, uh, sin, death is what we've earned. Death is what we've earned. The wages of sin is death. It's the curse of sin and the cure of sin. So the cure of sin, if the curse is death, the cure is death. What has to happen to make it right? What has to happen to bring man back up to where he should be? Death. There's a choice. You can die spiritually or Jesus can die for you. You can do it, or Jesus can do it for you. The cure and the, the curse and the cure of death. The only way that Jesus could suffer death is to be made like us, who are under the curse of death because of our sin. The only way Jesus could, could suffer death is to be made like us, who are under the curse of death, and it's because of our sin. I'm going to move on, uh, but if you have a hard copy of your announcement of your outline, there's this line that's not going to be on the screen. It's called the application first. We're going to talk a little bit more about Jesus and his death, but I'm going to do. I'm going to switch the way I usually do it, and I'm going to give the application first, and then I want you to be able to see that from the scripture. The application part of the application is this. I don't know how many of you have ever had to make a big decision and you prayed about it and it was an important decision and you prayed about it and it was an important enough decision and it meant enough to you that you prayed a lot about it and you struggled with it and you may have, you may have spent some time in fasting and spent a lot of time in prayer. 
I don't know how many of you have ever spent all night in prayer. I don't know how many of you have spent an hour straight in prayer, not five minutes here and there, but I don't know how many of you have spent a lot of time in prayer and in the struggle to make a decision or how the Lord may have at times asked you to take a big step of faith and he may have asked you, you, you feel like, that he's asking you to do something that's just more than you've ever done. And you feel like it, and it is, it's more than you can do. And so because you feel like the Lord is asking you to do it, you feel, that the, you feel the calling of God to do this or make this decision or, or start this or start that or something, whatever it is, that, that you just feel like this, this calling, this urgency to do this. And it's a struggle because it's more than you can do. And so you're struggling with it. Is this really God asking me to do it? Is this really God or is this just me? Is this part of my imagination? And, or on and on and on with that thought that, that when you do start something, a ministry of some kind, a calling of some kind, a job of some kind that you really believe that the Lord asks you to do, that it is a struggle and it is hard and it, it's not easy at all. Those times are so critically important. It's important that it is tough. It's important that it is hard. It's important that you do struggle. It's important that it's not easy. It's critical that it's not easy. There's nothing about it that's e easy. Why is that so important? Because there are going to be questions along the way, and you're going to second-guess yourself along the way, and you're going to ask, ask, ask yourself, did God really speak to me about this? You're going to second-guess yourself. Others are going to second-guess you. There's going to be questions along the way. You're going to look at it in hindsight. Is that, did God really ask me to do that? Was that really God? And so that's where the critical part comes in, that you can say yes Yes, because I remember the struggle. I remember spending all night in prayer. I remember spending an hour in prayer that I've never done that before. I remember struggling through it. I remember the work of it. I remember it wasn't easy, but it was possible. And the Bible says that all things are possible through him who strengthens you. The Bible does not say ever that it, all things are easy. In fact, the truth is, I have not found anything that's good, anything that's worthwhile, anything that really counts that's easy. I have not found that. In fact, if it's easy, I begin to suspect God may not actually be in this. It's just possible, not easy. And when, I, when you go through that and when you struggle through that, you can look back on that and say, wait, no, Satan, I can tell you that I remember that night in prayer or, or that struggle in prayer. I remember fasting about that, and I know that what I'm doing is what God wants me to do because I've struggled through it. It's not been easy at all, but it's been possible. In fact, God has helped me do the impossible that I could have never done on my own. That's not coincidence. That's not happenstance. That's the Holy Spirit working through us. It's not easy. And that struggle to, to find what God wants you to do and then that struggle to do what he's asked you to do is absolutely critical absolutely there's the application on to that simply talking a little bit more about that verse but we see Jesus made a little lower than angels for the suffering of death that he by the grace of God might taste death for everyone that death of Jesus why does that matter well it's tough it's critical it's important. It's vital to Christianity, the death of Jesus on the cross. Your life, Jesus' life, your life is the most that you have. 
No one can give more than that. You cannot give more than your life. Jesus could not give more than what he gave. It's impossible because there isn't more. No one can give more than their life or their death. Life and death is the ultimate. The death of Jesus takes away the lesser options. The death of Jesus on the cross takes away the lesser options. See, he, I want you to remember, the preacher that day was talking to a Hebrew Jewish Christian church. These were Christians who had, who had left Judaism. They used, used to be Jews, now they're not. They're Christians. If the death of Jesus was not necessary, if you could be saved any other way, then let's just be Jews. Let's, let's don't even go through. Let's don't make Jesus go through that. If it can be done any other way, if it can be done a lesser way, if it can be done an easier way, then let's do it the easier way. That only makes sense. Why go through the death on the cross if it's not crucial? Why go through the agony of the cross and all that, that, the crown of thorns, the whipping, the nails in the hands? Why go through all that if it's not necessary? Let's just be Jews. Let's just be Muslim. Let's just be whatever. Let's just be something else if it's not necessary. But it is necessary. And it's the most vital, and it's just everything that he had, he gave. Because he had to. Because there is no other way. And that's why Acts 4.12 said, There is none other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. There's only one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ the Son. There aren't two ways. If there was another way, then let's just do the other way. But there's not one. And so Jesus' life is, is all that he had, and it takes away the other options that we can maybe think of. Well, and today in our society especially, it's uh, so much about, well, Jesus is one way, but Muhammad is another way, and uh, Hindu... Buddha, there, there's another way, and, and just being good, being really good, that's another way. If that's true, then the death of Jesus is wasted. But God didn't give a little bit. He gave everything. This is what I want to change from your uh, hard copy outline. I'm not going to do the rest of that, but I'm going to add a line. And this is it. I'm going to close with this. I'm going to ask you to reconsider casual Christianity. I could uh, uh, definition casual Christianity a lot of ways. I'll try to do it short. Casual Christianity is a little bit of Christianity. It's... Uh, what, how we used to say it, going to church on Sunday, living like the devil the rest of the week, you know? That sounds like a country song, doesn't it? Our band will work on that. Not really. Don't expect it. Casual Christianity is... <laughs> I'm struggling for words. Casual. You're not serious about it. It's a little bit. It's going through, it's being churchy for a little while. And then going back to life as usual. It's not giving much. It's holding back. It's not giving much. It's holding back. It's giving a little bit. It's giving enough, and when I mean giving, I'm talking about of yourself. It's giving enough to be respectable. It's, it's, giving, it's giving enough to, to call it Christian. 
But I want you to reconsider casual Christianity. I think some of you may be, if you're in person here or if you're, if you're, if you're watching online, <clears throat> excuse me, some of you may be at that point right now where you want to do this, where you want to reconsider casual Christianity and you want to do away with it. Jesus gave everything for you. He didn't, he wasn't hurt on the cross. He didn't just bleed on the cross. He didn't, wasn't just experienced some discomfort on the cross. He died for you. You can't give more than that. And we know that. But in our Christianity, sometimes it becomes so casual, so one day a week-ish, so a little bit here, a little bit there, that it's just so casual. And maybe there's somebody here, you're here or you're watching this, and you're simply ready for more than that. That that's no longer good enough. That that no longer fills you up. That it's, you're itching for something more. The casual part, the little bit here, the little bit there, is just no longer getting it. <clears throat> the title of the message today, I changed it this morning, is All In. And that may be where some of you are, are approaching, that you're ready for that all in. You're tired of a little bit here, a little bit there, the casual, and you're ready for more. You're ready to do something. You're ready to do something with your Christian life. You're ready to step out on faith. You're ready to do something you've never done before. You're, you're, you, are, you are ready to take a step of faith that you've never even thought about bef before. You're ready to do something that you know you can't do on your own and that if it's going to get done, God's going to have to do it through you. Casual Christianity is the type of Christianity that never tries anything tough that never tries to do more than they know that already know that they, they can do. Casual Christianity never steps out on faith. It's too scared to. What if I fail? What if I mess, mess up? That's casual Christianity. It never tries anything tough. It always wants the easy road. It always wants the easy lane. It always wants the easy path. It may be Christianity, you may call it that, but it's casual. And you won't ever really do anything that matters and that counts. But I want to tell you that if you get rid of casual Christianity, if you reconsider it, you need to reconsider it very strongly. You need to take time with it. You need to pray about this because the opposite of casual Christianity is serious Chris Christianity. And in serious Christianity, the Lord's going to start asking you to do things that you can't do. He's going to ask you to take steps of faith you've never taken, be taken before. But he's going to ask you to do something with your life. He's going to ask you to, to, to live a life that amounts to something. And when you die and see him face to face, he will say, well done. You did something. You did something with your life. You did what I asked you to do. Well done. Wouldn't it be terrible if you got to, to see the Lord face to face and he says, casually done. <laughs> Wouldn't that be terrible? Yeah, casually done. Casually done. That would be terrible. I want to hear, well done. You did something. Hallelujah. You did something. You did what I asked you to do. <sighs> Reach out, step out, pray all night. Pray for an hour, pray for two, because what God is asking you to do is just so hard, so tough, but I'm going to do it. By the grace of God, the Bible says in verse 9, by the grace of God, Jesus tasted death. Everything he could give, everything he could do for every man. 
We're going to get ready to pray because I have just simply preached myself out. So Cindy, if come on up. And Dee, Dee and we're going to have our invitation time. And I'm sorry, I'm supposed to give you more time than that, and I just, uh, I just stopped. I want to ask you to stand, if you would. We're going to have our prayer time. I want you to reconsider casual Christianity. I want you to reconsider your Christianity. What's it like? Where are you? What's going on with you? I want you to reconsider taking a step of faith, doing something you've never done before, doing that thing that's tough just because Jesus is telling you and asking you to do it. Not because it's, you know, it's within you. It's not because it's what you choose, but you really believe this is what God wants me to do. And I'm just going to, by the grace of God, I'm going to step out and do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reconsider casual Christianity. If you need to come to an altar and pray, our altars these days are these chairs, and you're welcome, encouraged to come. You can stand, sit, or kneel. And just pray, this is between Jesus and you. And if you just need to talk to Jesus about anything that he's talking to you about, if you need to talk to Jesus about anything that he's talking to you about, then as Cindy sings, we invite you to come and pray. shattered you see whole I see broken but you see beautiful and you're helping me to believe you're restored nothing too dirty that you can make worthy you wash me in mercy I am clean there's nothing too dirty that you can make worthy Washed in the blood of your sacrifice. 
Sacrifice. 